Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids want to head out to Reach Kids, they can do that now. We're filing out. Look at all these kids. All right. All right, so uh, this is our last, our last, seri- our last uh, sermon in the series, our Clean Slate. Uh, so just to recap, so we're all on the same page, uh, it was snowing last week, so some of you didn't make it. So, uh, <laughs> understandably. Uh, so, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we saw that we have a clean slate in Jesus, that our past is wiped clean, that we are new creations in Christ, that we're not just, uh, not just that our sins are taken away or not considered anymore, but that we are reborn, we are recreated, we are new creatures through the work of Jesus. That nothing from our past can haunt us, can um, needs to weigh us down. All right, and then uh, last week we saw that we have this clean slate in the future. That as we look into the future, that God promises to show us the immeasurable riches of His grace in Christ. That as we look before us, um, we don't have before us a future of of striving after the gospel, but we have a future of grace that God wants to lavish upon us all the riches of his grace to show how gracious he is by showing that grace to us. So we've looked at, we've looked at the past and we've looked at the future. And this week, we're going to kind of bring all of those two together as we look at the present. So how, as we think about the fact we have this clean slate, how do we live in the presence to, to take advantage of the things that are promised to us? To live in the power of the gospel. Now this is kind of the most important of this series because if you're going to change, if you're going to grow, it's going to happen in the present. It's going to happen right here and right now. That you can't can't project yourself into the past. You can't change anything in the past. And Jesus has washed it clean so we don't need to. You can't project yourself into the future. You can't change the future. You only have the present this experience right here and right now. And if we are going to grow and change and move towards Jesus, it's going to happen right here in the present. Now, my, my fear is that as we think about the Christian life, it's kind of impractical. And that the cross took care of everything. And we think, well, now, now what? What do I do? How, how am I supposed to grow in these things? What am I responsible for in the present? I think that's a legitimate question. We want to grow. We want to change. We want to escape the sins of our past. We want to be the new creations that Jesus says we are in Christ. But how do we actually do it? That's the question this morning. And we're going to start by just this very simple, simple statement. We are to live in the presence by faith. We are to live by faith. By faith in what Jesus Christ has secured for us by his work. That's going to be what we're supposed to be responsible for in the present, to live by faith. Not to live by works, not to live in the past, not to live in the future, but to just live in the present with faith in the things that are to come. So with that in mind, we're going to jump in. Uh, pray with me, and we'll, we'll move into this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the blood. We thank you that we have been washed clean. And Father, we ask that you would give us the freedom that you say is offered to us in Jesus. 
we want our, our sins to actually fall away for us to, to abandon them and, and run after Jesus, to be close to him, to love him well, and to enjoy him. And so, Father, would you help, help to show us how to do that without falling back into works, without falling back into slavery? Father, would you help us to live in this present time with faith, a faith that is ultimately a gift from you, faith that what is promised in Jesus will come to pass in him. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right. So, I want to remind us that, of what the gospel is. That the gospel is not just saying that Jesus kind of took care of sin and then leaves us alone, abandons us after that. No, actually, what's promised in, in the work of Jesus is not just that our sins are washed clean, but we actually have freedom from sin. That we have victory over sin. That we have power to say no to sin and to, to move towards Jesus. And as we look at how to do that, we're going to say that the best way to do that is to, to put faith in the promises of what Jesus is going to do in the future. All right. So, the Bible. The Bible is full of true things. It's full of truths. Things that you should believe, but there are special categories here. Things that we'll call promises. Promises like, uh, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. This is the promise of the Lord that says that, you know what, you don't need to, to be vengeful. You don't need to get your revenge upon other people. That justice will be served in Jesus. That you will be vindicated. That that's a promise that of, of what will happen in the future. All right, we have things like, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That as we give people mercy in the name of Jesus, they will actually receive that mercy back. Promises like, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That is a promise. That is a promise that is secured in Jesus. And what we're saying this morning is that we are to put faith in these promises because they are secure in Jesus. And to live out of the faith that we have in those promises. All right, I hope that doesn't sound too foreign to us because that's, that's what happened when we all believed. When we believed upon the gospel, when we turned into these new creations as we talked about last week, what did we do? We, we put our faith in Jesus. We put our faith in his work. And we put our faith in actually a promise that God would work in Jesus. That in the future, we will be resurrected with Jesus. That in the future, we will be vindicated from all of our sin. That none of that sin will, will destroy us. That we with him for all eternity. In a lot of senses, we put our faith in that promise and we haven't seen it come to pass yet. So much of what we talk about in the gospel is, is future-oriented. It's putting faith in things that are to come. And the thing is that, all right, so we, we put our faith in Jesus then. And then the question is, well, what do we do now? The thing is, keep, keep using that same faith. That faith is the means by which we grow and change. Faith is the key. 
All right. So an example. An example. All right. Let's say. Let's say that uh, we've all been in this place where you're having a conversation. You're having a conversation with someone, and you see the conversation starting to turn towards your wheelhouse. All right, and you're thinking of the, that story, that's your, your favorite story that makes you just look amazing. All right, maybe this is, it's moving towards fishing, and you're going to tell like your, your amazing sailfish that's six feet long story. Uh, and we all have those things, and we're, we're thinking, okay, it's coming. It's coming. We're moving towards the story. I'm going to get my glory. I'm going to get it. And then, and then we remember that commandment. All right. Do not boast. Don't lift yourself up. Don't, don't do it. All right, we have, we have opportunities here. And most of the time, we try to live by works. And we tell ourselves something like, well, no, God doesn't like boasting. It's bad. I shouldn't do it. And we feel this kind of like, but we're torn in our heart. Because we want to be lifted up, but God tells us not to. And so we're, we're warring with ourselves. All right, maybe if we're doing a little bit better, we'd say, you know what, uh, no, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have boasted. So I shouldn't either. He didn't boast in himself. I, I'm not going to boast. All right, but what if instead, instead we reminded ourselves of this promise? Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right, that is a promise. Is a promise that Jesus has made that is true of us in the cross. It is secure in the cross. And what if instead of just trying to muster up all this obedience, we just put our faith in that? Notice how it changes obedience. It changes our response. That is not so much about like, you know, what can I do? It's a, you know, I can, I can forego this present exaltation. I can be humble in the moment. I can let it go. And and push that exaltation to the future. And I can wait for the work of Jesus to be done, for that grace to be poured out in the future. I don't need to grab it for myself now. All right, and that's where, it, then obedience becomes this kind of joyful thing that we're, we're looking to what Jesus is going to do in the future. What grace he's going to give us. This is not something we deserve. This is something that is true in the cross. All right, let's try and take another example. All right, so uh, you have an opportunity for lust. All right, we all know that's bad. You're not supposed to do that. And maybe we kind of chastise ourselves like, no, God, God doesn't like that. Don't do it. All right, or, or we might say that, you know what, that doesn't please Jesus. All right, but or, what if we reminded ourselves, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And that's the promise. And so we're comparing these things and we're saying, you know, I, I can lust or I can, can pursue purity of heart so I might see my, my glorious Father and all of his beauty and majesty and perfection face to face. That this is... This is nothing compared to what is promised in Jesus. And by faith, I'm going to live right here and right now, expecting the things that are going to be done in the future. All right, my hope is that that, that makes a kind of a, a different nuance to obedience. That obedience is towards the end of better things, of blessing, of enjoying God more. All right, but 
We have objections to this. You might have objections to this. First objection. This seems like you're using God. Like you're kind of using obedience as a means to an end. That, well, I'm, I'm just obeying so I can get some reward in the future. Isn't that an insult to God? All right. That shows something in our heart. It shows that in our heart of hearts, we believe something about God that obeying God should be, in some sense, kind of miserable. Or done out of duty or obligation. That it should feel hard. And it should make us unhappy to obey. All right, that's not the God we're dealing with. But last week we saw that God saves us so that he can show his immeasurable, the immeasurable riches of his grace to us. He can lavish upon us grace. He can pour blessing upon blessing upon us in the future. That's the beauty of the gospel that, that the, the work of Jesus, it carries on to the future and there's so much blessing in it. There's so much joy in it that it changes obedience and makes it a joy. And that's where we can enjoy obedience. He's built into, the, into his obedience these promises that we will actually find more grace in them. That there's more to be had. And be excited about that. That's a good thing. All right, we don't need to be stoics. We don't need to be aesthetics. We don't need to beat ourselves up. No, we need to instead get excited about the things that are to come. There's so much more joy there. All right. Second objection. And this is probably the more, uh, the one, one that's coming to you more, I don't know. This is one too. Uh, these promises sound conditional. And we were just said, no, it, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the blood. It's, it's nothing in me. It's all about Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. So how can we say something like, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. Like, what about the, the Christians who aren't pure of heart? What about them? Are we all just going to get the same thing in the end? Why does it matter? All right, that's where we have another kind of broken thing in our heart. We are saved by faith. We put our faith in Jesus. And we're told that that faith is supposed to be not just strong enough to save us, but strong enough to sanctify us and to change us and to, to conform us to the image of Jesus, to give us power over sin. And we have to recognize that when we say things like, well, oh, like, you don't really have to be pure of heart. You'll, you'll still see God. We're in one sense saying like, yeah, I have faith to believe that, that God saved me. That's, that's all I care about. But I'm still going to lust and not really believe that promise about that specific area. That we're dividing our hearts and dividing our faith and dividing our, our allegiances. All right, we have one faith. The one faith that is in Christ and is in the promises of Jesus. And the scary thing we start to see is that maybe it's that we have kind of a, a superficial faith in the cross. That we're saying, yeah, no, I believe in the cross, but I don't believe in anything about my life that will change. I believe it'll be worth it to put all my faith in Jesus, but not to change my life. 
James summarizes it in verse two, cha uh, chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. All right, what is he saying? He's saying, you know, you can, you can say you have all this faith and that you don't need works to, to show it off. But he's saying, you know what? The best way to show off that your faith is to, to show it in your works. Your works reveal the faith in your heart. And that's where it's, it's like, uh, do you guys remember when you were kids and you did the trust fall? All right. So you're supposed to, you're supposed to like stand and just fall backwards. And it was a test of if you, if you trust your siblings not to be cruel or not. All right, don't play it with your siblings. It's not worth it. Um, you can't trust them. <laughs> That's why we're making an analogy to Jesus, because you can't. Um, all right. So how do you know if you trust or not? You know you trust or not by looking at this foot. And if you're, you're leaning back, and then, and then you do this, which we all do. All right. Your faith was revealed in your work. It was revealed in your life and how you actually respond. All right, that's what James is saying. If we say, yeah, no, I, I believe in the cross. I believe that what's most important is salvation and, and the coming of Jesus, but I don't actually believe enough to, to change anything or to, to forego sin for the eternal glory to come. It reveals our faith. Now that's terrifying. And that's where we, we naturally say, well, no, isn't the work of Jesus enough? Like, yes, the work of Jesus is enough. I'm not concerned about the work of Jesus. I'm concerned about our faith. And if our faith is true faith, if it is vital faith, then it should be faith that can defeat sin and has power over sin and is growing in that fight against sin. All right, that's where I ask you, like... Have you, have you divided those things in your heart? That I can believe in Jesus, but not really believe in the promises. I can believe in, in this eternal life, but I don't believe that it has, has anything to do with my life here. Have you divided the two? Have you cut these faiths apart, which would be one vital faith in Jesus? We are called to have faith in the things that, that God is going to do right here and now, to change our hearts. He has power to do it. All right. That's where in our lives, in our Christian lives, we are kind of living in the present, looking forward. Looking forward to the things that Jesus will do. That's where the power is. That's where the good things are. But, all right, how do we live then as we think about the past? Now, we're always told to, to look back to the cross, to look back to Jesus, to remember what Jesus did. And we're saying, okay, why, why do we do that? If we're supposed to be so forward-looking and looking for this future grace, all these future blessings, these things that God is going to give us in these promises, why do we always look back at the cross? <laughs> all right, I'm going to give two reasons, and let's start with the first one. Um, all right, we say we look back at the cross so that, so that we can feel gratitude. And because we are grateful for the cross and grateful for what Jesus has done for us, that that pushes us towards obedience. 
that we're responding out of the, the gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. Or I'm going to say that's a, there's a dangerous thing there. There's a dangerous dynamic. And we start saying things like, well, I just owe Jesus everything. That I, if he did so much for me, how could I not do everything for him? All right, those are actually dangerous statements because we're starting to say something about our relationship to, to Jesus. We're looking back and saying that in some sense, we're indebted to the work of Jesus. That this work of Jesus is not so much grace, it's a, it's a loan. And that the rest of our lives after the work of Jesus are supposed to be kind of paying Jesus back. That we pay Jesus back with obedience. That we pay Jesus back with with being good and pleasing him. All right, that is not grace. Grace is never repaid. Grace was a free gift. Grace is something you never earned and cannot give back. All right, if you, the worst analogy for the Christian life would be like a debt payment plan. All right, there's nothing exciting there. There's no joy there. Like there's nothing more like life-sucking then, oh, oh, you owe me money and like, please pay up. And I'm the debt collector, the pastor, who reminds you how much you owe God each week. Like, no, that is not the dynamic here. Please do not look at the cross and tell yourself that. And say, well, if I just feel, feel worse about the thing that Jesus has done for me, then I'll like muster up more obedience. All right? That's like, that's guilt and that's, there's no power there. So instead, when you look back at the cross, I want us to see three things that, that holistically tell us who God is, is to us in Jesus. All right, first thing, that God is gracious to us in Jesus. That God is gracious and he will give us things in the future that we do not deserve. He will pour out his blessings upon us. Romans 8.32. Romans 8.32 he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's the question. All right, when we look back at the cross, we should see that God has given us everything in Jesus. He's given us the greatest thing to come. That if God could give us the greatest treasure, it'd be his son. The one that he adores, the one that he has enjoyed for all eternity. If God gave you Jesus... He will give you the things that are promised in the future. We're supposed to look back and recognize that, that there is tons of grace to come because there's been tons of grace in the past. All right, when we look back, we're supposed to be convinced that the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. 2 Corinthians 1.20 for all the promises of God find their yes in him, their yes in Jesus. We're supposed to look back and see that the work of Jesus was securing for us all the promises that are in, in, this, in the word, in the Bible. That God isn't going to, to destroy his son and then withhold from you all of the things that were bought with the blood of Jesus. That's just not how he's going to do it. Of course he's going to give you the things that are promised. And finally, finally we look back and see that we are the new creations. 
that we are new creations. We said that last week, or two weeks ago, that we are new creations in Jesus. Now what that means is that you are not who you once were. And the Holy Spirit has entered those who put their faith in Jesus and he is changing our hearts. He's giving us the faith that we need to believe in these promises. He's giving us power over sin. He's giving us victory. That the work of Jesus secured that and now we live in it. We use that same faith to pursue obedience. And that's why I just want to remind us that Faith is not a work. Faith is not something we muster up in ourselves. Is it a gift? It's a gift by the Holy Spirit. A gift that is given in the gospel. Let's use that gift. All right. So, we're at the end here. What do I actually want you to do? All right, let's be practical. What do I actually want you to do here? All right, first thing. Get to know the promises. Get to know the promises. If you don't know any of the promises of the things that are promised to you in Jesus, the future grace things, the future blessings, you're not going to have power over sin. Get to know them. All right, so if I ask you, okay, uh, what's a promise to combat laziness and, and sloth? Do you have anything? Does anything come to mind? Or is it just, you know, I just need to do that because it's really bad not to? If that's it, there's no faith there. There's no power there. But what if instead you reminded yourself, therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What if you put your faith in the, in the promise that the things that you do for the honor of the Lord will not be fruitless, cannot be, will have eternal significance? Or what if it says, uh, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since, they, since you know, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Inheritance from the Lord as a reward. That you're not just working for yourself, you're not just working to survive, you are working to, towards the eternal inheritance. You're working for his glory, for the reward ahead of you. Or we have something like, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We put faith in the harvest before us, the feast before us, the joy before us, and we keep moving towards that future grace. Now, if you don't know those promises, you have no power. All right, so what do I want you to do? Uh, I want you to get a highlighter and a Bible. All right, I know a lot of you don't like reading your Bibles. I get it. It's really hard. Um, but in there, there are promises, like beautiful things, blessings from the Lord, things that we do not deserve, that we could not work for, but are promised in him. Go find them. Go find all of the riches of his immeasurable grace in that Bible of yours. Or you can Google the promises of God. That works too. Uh, I'm not against, against using the internet like, oh, no, it has to come from the book. No, uh, go find them. Like, just go, go learn them. Go, go devour them. They're such a blessing. And they give us so much power over sin. All right, second, second. 
When you struggle and you fall, as you inevitably will, admit to the Lord and confess your, your lack of faith. All right, you're allowed to, you're allowed, that's a sin category. I'm, I'm fearful that a lot of us are like, well, no, if you lack faith, then, but you're, by faith you're saved, you can't, you'll lose your salvation if you admit that you have unbelief there. No. No, it's another sin to confess. Confess it. That's what's really going on. Like, Lord, I, I don't trust this promise. I don't trust that your goodness will be enough in the future to sacrifice in the present. Bring that to him. All right, third. Third, ask the Holy Spirit inside of you, the power of God that resurrected Jesus from the cross to, to give you the faith that you need. That's what he's there for. To give you faith to believe the things that, that are promised in him. He's with you. Ask him to work. All right, and finally, and this one is, is probably the most important, wait for God to work. Wait for the grace to come in the future. All right, too often I recognize that in my own heart, I've never actually waited for the Lord to work. I've never waited long enough to see him work by grace that I've always waited 30 seconds and then gone my own way, ran to an idol, ran towards some other means, and I, I never waited to see if he was going to actually do anything. That there is grace promised in the future. Wait for him to show up. Wait for the things that are to come. Wait for the things that are better that are given in Jesus. They are promised in him. Let's go pursue those things by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is not just the one who cleanses us from sin, but the one who, who actually changes our hearts and gives us power over sin and victory over sin. Father, would you help us not to try to fight sin with works or with trying harder or with paying you back, but by faith. Faith that there are more riches of grace to come, that obedience is rewarded and enjoyed. And Father, we just want to enjoy you and stand joyfully in your presence. Holy Spirit, would you fill us up and give us the faith that we lack? Give us a true and vital faith in Jesus. That we'd have faith for eternity. A faith that, that acts now by works. And Father, would you protect our hearts? We have such a tendency to pride and to self-righteousness. Father, thank you that faith is a gift from you. It is the work of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done. That even this faith that we think we're exercising is a gift from you. It is all you. It is all grace. It is all Jesus. We praise you and we love you and we worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray.